Welcome to our podcast channel, brought to you by the British Chamber of Commerce in Singapore. Subscribe to our channel as we provide you with curated content and in-depth conversations by industry experts and leaders across Singapore, ASEAN and the United Kingdom. In the next episode of BCC Global Network Insights, We're joined by Peter Crowhurst, the Chief Executive Officer of the British Chamber of Commerce in Myanmar, together with Peter Witten, Director of Anthem Asia, as they discuss the market in Myanmar, key areas of export, and what the COVID-19 pandemic could mean for investors. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us in our latest podcast series of the BCC Global Network Insights. Throughout this series, we delve into the fantastic work that the British Chambers are doing across the Southeast Asia region to facilitate trade, growth, and build those business connections. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Peter Crowhurst, Chief Executive Officer of the British Chamber of Commerce in Myanmar. Also joining us on the call, we have Peter Witten, the Director of Anthem Asia. A very, very warm welcome to you both. Thank you very much. Peter Crowhurst, if we can just go to you first and just talk a little bit about the Chamber. I know you've been involved with the Chamber in Myanmar for around about 10 years now, uh, but you've also been involved in the Chamber in Taiwan. Can you just tell us a little bit about your journey for our listeners? Certainly, yes. Um, well, much of my involvement in Chambers actually goes back even further. Uh, I was on the board of directors with the British Chamber of Commerce uh, China during my time in Beijing. Uh, this was during the 90s. Um, I was working with a a Chinese state enterprise at the time, uh, managing their hotels and real estate. Yeah, I spent some 15 years in country there, as well as a a time in uh, Shanghai. Um, So I was uh, involved with the chamber and actually found it rather, rather useful to um, stimulate business into my my hotels and real estate portfolio. When I was uh, posted to Taiwan following uh, my joining uh, ING Real Estate, I joined the British Chamber in Taiwan, which is a relatively small chamber and rather quiet, and felt it was need of re-energizing. So I was elected to the board, which was very nice. And then suddenly I found myself as the chairman, as the previous chairman, um, who was with HSBC at the time, decided that he wanted to be chairman of the Euro Chamber. So after one phone call on a Sunday afternoon, he sort of said, well, can you take over? And I basically said, okay, I can do that. And um, we, we, uh, I took over as chairman. When I looked in the cash box, we didn't have a lot of cash, but we had it sufficient for a, a part-time executive director who we actually poached from the EU, EU chamber, so my revenge was there. Um, and we had two staff on the payroll. So we started to build a business and um, of membership. We had about a, just under 100 members at the time. A little bit of advocacy here and there and uh, a bit of entertainment. So we were able to throw a good party here and there. We threw the best St. Andrew's Ball, and which continues to be a significant event um, in, in Taipei. Uh, we also built an excellent relation with the British office, the de facto embassy there, together with the director, who is the ambassador. And we actually co-located with them when, uh, when the visa section, which was moved to somewhere else, became available in, in the British office's uh, premises. The chamber has grown now enormously under the current CEO, Steve Parker, who um, he and I actually were on the, on the board together. So we know each other very well. So I hope that gives you a little bit of the, um, of the flavor of, uh, of what we were doing in China and Taiwan. That's fantastic. And then, and then the move to Myanmar. Can you tell us a little bit about how that took place and what the, what the chamber is currently doing? Yes, why Myanmar? Well, yeah, it was one of those sort of strange conversations I had with a, a former colleague of mine 
He said, you should go and have a look at Myanmar. And uh, he said, look, there's a company looking for a head of, a head of assets and um, you should go and have a look at it. I, so I duly did because ING Real Estate was actually sold to um, an, another company, CBRE. And um, I, I decided not to stay around and um, you know, came to Myanmar on, on a look-see. So I spent five and a half very, very good years with Yoma Strategic Holdings, which is um, one of our member companies and a Singapore-listed LISCO. And during that time, um, there was not a lot to do in Myanmar, in Yangon on a Monday night. So it was a bunch of Brits get together in the British club at the embassy to say, well, what should we be doing? So we decided we, we started with the British business group. Uh, that was in 2013. And from there, it started to um, grow into, well, let's build it up as a chamber. And we had a good support from the embassy who were actually, it was clearly on their objectives that the chamber should be doing their uh, OBNI projects uh, and be their delivery partner. Um, so we, um, were, we put a proposal out to basically say, well, you can either give us an interest-free loan and we'll pay it back whenever you can, or you can give us some money and we'll start up the chamber. Um, so they did the latter and they started, we started the chamber. Following a bit of backwards and forwards, we, we started with one executive director and a Google form and um, sitting in the, in the embassy in the corner somewhere. And that has now grown uh, exponentially into 11, a team of 11 um, and pushing out or arranging around over 100 events a year uh, with a membership cohort now around about 280 members. Oh, it sounds like you've had some amazing growth there as well. Um, so just, just for our listeners, um, what, are, what are the opportunities available in, in Myanmar? Why, why would a company sort of look at Myanmar as a market to set up? The main, you know, the main markets really would be coming from garments, um, garment manufacture. Uh, a lot of these, the products are filling the shelves of the fast fashion shops in the, in the UK and Europe. Uh, this is particularly driven by the uh, EBA agreement, so the Everything But Arms agreement, which is tariff-free into the Eurozone and the UK. So it's the, the uh, garment manufacturer it probably accounts for about $5 billion uh, in exports every, every year coming out of, uh, out of Myanmar. So that's one big, big sector. Agriculture, another growth sector, still very much in its nascence, but there's a, there's a lot, to, lot, lot to do there. Oil and gas is another big, big, big opportunity. Renewables, another massive opportunity. The, the policy and the opportunity, you know, government policy and opportunities sometimes don't match, but um, uh, that's where the chamber comes into the into the into its strength to be able to build up and advocate with uh, Myanmar government and so on as to what the right thing should be doing. A big growth has also been seen in fintech. We've gone from like no G to 5G almost in five, five or six years. So that has really supported that growth. And obviously telecoms as well with uh, massive investments from uh, Telenor, Oridu, and all the tower companies uh, that have um, um, installed towers all over the country. Financial services, life business, particularly with our member company Prudential leading the field. So there's a huge amount of range of opportunities going on uh, in, in the country at the moment. Great. And I think one thing that um, maybe our listeners don't know is that my, in my previous life, my previous role, we were members of your chamber um, and found it really helpful as we were setting it up. And, and one of the reasons we were looking at Myanmar was because of the adoption of technology was driving so much opportunity, we felt, um, certainly in the education piece as well. So, I mean, can you, can you just sort of give a bit of a flavour for our listeners around the membership makeup? Have you got many SMEs that are exploring the market with you? Uh, yes. Well, yeah. 
Okay. We're nationality agnostic. Whilst we're a British Chamber of Commerce, um, our main proviso is that you have a strong interest to work with the UK in one form or another. If you're waiting for a lot of, you know, for a lot of British companies, you know, to come to the market, probably the chamber would not not be around. What we would be, what we're doing is building up a strong cohort of Myanmar small medium enterprises, providing um, opportunities for them to. Um, uh, be able to potentially venture with the UK companies uh, that are exploring the market. So it's a very large proportion of, of members in the sort of small, medium enterprises. We've got a few funds and uh, funds managers, and no doubt probably Peter Peter Whitten will talk about talk about that a little bit as well. But um, uh, what we also have is a large number of larger, uh, well-known enterprises across the uh, you know they're well known across the region. That would include Jardines. Prudential, Standard Chartered Bankers, uh, Willis Towers, Watson. Uh, Willis Towers, particularly strong, obviously, is in the insurance sector. Uh, it's a very big growth sector um, for, for um, you know, financial services and so on. Uh, and then there's a cohort of uh, other members that include the sort of tourism sector, uh, other financials, um, banks, and so on. So there, there's a very wide range of people that the Chamber can work with and call on to to work with investors in coming to the market. Thank you, Peter. That's, that's really good to hear. We're also joined on the call today by Peter Whitten from Anthem Asia, who are an independent investment and advisory group building sustainable businesses in Myanmar. Peter, it's, it's great to have you on the call as well. Can we just get a bit of a flavour of what your organisation does in Myanmar? Yes, well, we are... I mean, we have a story to tell, but uh, it starts with a, a glass of red wine on, at a Boxing Day party when someone mentioned the word Myanmar. Uh, but that's for a, another podcast. We're an investment group. You know, we're a full, for-profit, 100% finance-focused, let's invest, let's uh, make money. Uh, but we, the way we choose to do that is through a sustainable route um, on the basis that you find the best companies, you find the best run companies will over time produce the best results. We, we are focused on SMEs because our view is if you have a look at the Myanmar, the makeup of the Myanmar economy, it's like a, a gym barbell. There is at one end, there are a few very large companies, usually um, which have legacy uh, relationships which, with the old um, military government and preferred families. And at the other end, there are a multitude of very small businesses and there's very little in the middle. There's, there's very little of what you would recognize as a conventional mid-sized business. Um, one of the reasons why there's a lot of very small businesses again is a legacy issue if you were entrepreneurial um, and you wanted to set up a business um, you had to be a little bit careful for, about being too successful because you would attract attention from the other end of the barbell and so the what people did and what families did is that they would end up setting lots setting up lots of small businesses so they would have a hotel business and they would have a construction business and they'd have some shops and they would have a Maybe they would represent, uh, be an import uh, representative for some, some foreign brand or other. Over the last few years, as the country has um, opened up and liberalized, um, the opportunity has come for these sorts of businesses to start to focus on 
actually what you want to do and what you what you like to do. So we we focus on having conversations with those sorts of businesses. Our overall thesis is that the Myanmar Myanmar and the Myanmar economy is essentially joining the the Asian story of the last five decades, it's, which is urbanization, the rise of a middle class and, and the consumer, um, and the rise of local brands. And um, some of the brands, foreign brands you've seen and around Yangon, Giordano, some of the coffee shops and whatever, 30, 40 years ago, they were small, very small. So we think that there will be brands in different sectors which over time, with the right help, will grow into either national brands or even international brands. So that's what we've been doing. Um, how do we work with SMEs? Well, we, we've invested in, a, uh, we, we have had two lots of money. We, we started off with a pool of money and we said, let's discover how Myanmar works by investing little bits in small businesses. And so we made, um, we invested in a business center, some marketing communications companies and, and some other companies. And then about 18 months ago, we, we raised an actual formal fund. And that is supported by IFC, money from the Dutch government, Good Growth Fund, and the UK CDC. And that helped us. I mean, we, we were already doing sustainable investment and thinking about um, good governance and the, the proper way to organize a business. And that fund structure really actually just formalized what we were doing. So we're still finance first, but we track things like jobs created, women-led businesses and those sorts of things. But the SME, it's tough being an SME in, um, in Myanmar. And there's a number of ways which we've, we've helped them. The, the first is obviously buying investing and um, like any investment in anywhere else, you're looking for management or owners with passion. Where probably the differences in Myanmar compared with other markets is the amount of hand-holding we have to do. We always say that if it's, um, you know, when people ask us about the risks in doing business in Myanmar, we say, well, look, if you accept the political risk and the financial risk is okay, the regulatory risk is okay, the real, real risk is operational. Uh, it's, it's finding people to do the things which need to be done getting the accounts in place, getting the goods into the factory and then out the other side in the right way, in a systematic way. And that's where we spend a lot of our time. Um, our, our emphasis, we, we, we provide operational support. We're very, uh, we spend a lot of time on governance, getting boards running, um, making sure there are plans, getting the accounts done. People often ask if you could have a magic wand, you know, what would you do for Myanmar? And you know, would you change the law? Would you do this? Would you do that? Um, and I would say, well, if you had a magic wand, you would sprinkle dust to produce decent bookkeepers, decent junior accountants, accountants and auditors who know what they're doing. You would need tens of thousands of them because every business struggles, even some of the, the biggest ones. So uh, that sort of, a picture i can talk a little bit more about other ways in which we've been working with smes but um i'll just stop there for the moment no that that's 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 really wonderful have you got any 
any successes where you've taken uh, or invested in an SME and helped them through this journey that you can that you can share with our listeners? Uh, yes, um, one of the businesses we we invested in is is um, a restaurant group called Rangoon Tea House, which was a, a couple of young entrepreneurs, and the the main entrepreneur had come back from the UK. His parents Burmese, and they're both doctors working for the NHS up in Sunderland. So he was he he wasn't from a moneyed family who'd been to a fancy school, but basically he came back and he um, he said. I want to bring my mother's cooking, my mother, the weekend recipes we had in Sunderland, and I want to present them in sort of a modern style and in a, a modern environment. So he set up a restaurant and we met him and his partners, when they'd opened up and we went to eat their food and we liked their food. Um, and eventually, after a lot of conversations, after a year or so, um, we invested in them. And they were doing all the right things but they were growing so fast that they didn't have the, the structure behind them. So we went in and helped them with, with their accounts, with their, their systems. Um, we, we use some of the contacts we have around the region. So we brought in someone who runs a food business in Hong Kong. We, we brought them down to, to Yangon for a, just to have a look at the kitchens and look at the, the back offices and, you know, why don't you put this here or this should be there and this fridge should be cleaned out so many times a week and all that sort of very practical stuff and that business has now grown it has a, a series of sub brands and it's been growing very fast um, they've had offers to open in Singapore and Bangkok and whatever and, and they've turned them down which we think is probably the, the right move at the moment obviously COVID has put the brakes on everything their main restaurant is, is closed because they have to be um, but over the last four to six weeks the owners they've pivoted they're doing deliveries and takeaways and they've rejigged their menu from their various sub brands they're going to be touch wood they're going to be okay their journey i think probably in the next two or three years they're going to become something quite 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 large and and um, with our help hopefully they will be growing at a pace where, as I say, the back office plumbing it keeps pace with them. Excellent. And you talked about COVID and the challenges that you know that organisation, that brand has at the moment. From an investment perspective, what are the challenges in the market at the moment? As an investor, this is actually a good time. Um, I said we were busy. We are our investment team there. They're all still in Yangon. I'm here. We have a Singaporean partner. She's stuck in Singapore. So we know that the Singapore lockdown is really pretty, pretty tough. Um, but for, for PE, for in, uh, venture capital, the, when markets are like this, this is when the opportunities arise. And we are really busy with people needing to raise money because um, the banking system is, shall we say, not very good. But there are some good businesses out there and they're not going to be able to raise money for the next little while. So um, institutional investors like ourselves with, um, with money, we have this available and we're ready to invest. And so we go through our process, but we, the sort of, some of the companies which we're talking to at the moment, um, there's some companies we talked to in the past where we actually said no. Uh, because we thought their valuations were too high. Um, but now in this sort of market, we say, look, they've come back and they said, look, can we talk again? 
uh, perhaps our valuation should be something lower and we say yes and, and so the last two three four weeks we are really busy with a series of deals um, probably a little bit larger than we've done in the past we're discovering a challenge which is not just in um, Myanmar but uh, I've heard stories about China and what have you is how do you do due diligence on a company um, when everyone's locked down and they can't travel around so people are coming up with ideas like drones and body cameras and all sorts of things but it, it is an interesting challenge but we actually during the last two or three weeks in spite of being all in different countries we've actually completed a funding so we got all the documents signed and all sorts of things all with people being in different countries so um so covid has made life a little bit difficult but the opportunities uh, are there and and i sort of should add that it's not just us we're we're a, a member of a group called the myanmar private equity and venture capital association which was formed 12 months ago and it's like the singapore venture capital association and similar ones in hong kong and bangkok and whatever and we represent i think just about all the institutional investors who have made investments in myanmar and we We've done a survey, or the, the association's done a survey in the last week or so, and the initial results are our peers are, are the same as us. They're busy. There are people who want um, investment money. This is a time to have conversations with them. And um, I think we will all be having similar sorts of conversations, especially with established companies which say, look, uh, our valuations are perhaps going to be a little more modest than they were six months ago. Previously, Peter was highlighting some of the sectors around garments and agriculture and oil and gas and fintech and telecoms, etc. Where where are you seeing the main investment opportunities? Where, if I was a UK business looking to expand across Southeast Asia and looking at Myanmar as a market, what type of business would you be looking at, and what what sort of sectors? If I was a British business, um, I, I think Peter has mentioned uh, the, the main ones. I would probably put more emphasis on education and training. Britain does definitely have a, a lot to offer and there have definitely been British universities making visits to uh, Myanmar and education is highly prized and there are a lot and the, the public education system is not very good it's been starved for cash it is very it is highly regarded and there are you it's the same as in Vietnam and all sorts of other places you see um, after school classes everywhere there are a lot of colleges now calling themselves universities very often with links to universities overseas and a, a lot of those with links to british universities the, traditionally the thing is it's more the more practical courses and you do uh, sort of the diploma element in in myanmar and then if you had the the money and the opportunity you then go to the the campus or wherever in the uk for the extra year or so to convert into a, a degree and you've seen that in sort of engineering and computer studies and what have you but there are opportunities across education and, and training sector from you know nursery schools right up to 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 full universities and everything in between um, the other area is business and financial services british lawyers british engineers all the all the range of those sorts of services um, and i think british business people should be you know fundamentally it's a there is a common law system so despite everything else that bedrock is there and so that you can have conversations where you sort of conceptually 
you're on the same page. Um, the other, the other point which I always throw out when people ask about sort of the risk of Myanmar, and they sort of, well, what about Vietnam? What about China? What about this? And we say that, you know, the legacy system in Myanmar is that it's not a communist country. And you know, when you have, a, have, you know, China, Vietnam, Cambodia, sort of by dint of effectively still a communist style ruling party in Laos as well, um, you end up with a parallel system. So your ability, you know, decisions are made, investments are approved, not approved. There's a problem here. It's solved. It's not solved. And you're never quite sure where the decision point is uh, or the, where the blockage is. Myanmar, you know, it has, it has its political legacy, um, but you sort of, you know what you're dealing with. You know, it, it, you know the, the big people and some of them have got lots of money and you don't want to mess with them. And there's a government and it's trying to follow rules and what have you. But it does mean it's, it's, it's not as opaque as some of the other markets. Um, there's still a, a million problems and a, a million challenges. But from a British point of view, you shouldn't be, uh, you shouldn't be worried by that. You should just feel, okay, I, I, can, I think I can cope with this. I can understand what's going on. That's excellent. If you can bring sort of Peter Crowhurst back into the conversation as well. I mean, is there, are there sort of any things that, that British businesses from a chamber perspective should be, should be aware of? Yeah, we, we, we have a few classic cases of, uh, well, I came here on my own and um, got lost. Um, you know, what, what, you know I, I arrive at the airport, what happens now? That sort of thing. Well, so we, you know, we want to blow our own trumpet. We, we will say, you know, call the chamber. It's something I said in, uh, in the London Chambers of Commerce, uh, British Chambers of Commerce uh, conference we had earlier in the, in, the, in the year, is, you know, remind everyone, if you're coming to, the mar- coming to a market, use your Chamber of Commerce. We're not expensive, most of the time it's almost free of charge. Um, and it's something that is, is able to um, you know, give you pragmatic advice and you know, what, what's, going, what's going on so that you can leave the country either with a, with a connection or a, or a deal in hand. And you're probably tied up with the right lawyer, the right, the right people who you can trust and build a, build a business relationship with. Uh, because we, we don't take anyone coming into the chamber. We, we do some sort of certain amount of due diligence uh, for members, so we, we know who we're dealing with uh, and can be able to say, look, this is the way to do it, or this is the guy to come and uh, talk to, uh, This can re- he can really help you. you know, one of the things I found really interesting about doing business in, in Myanmar um, is just the passion. You know, if you've got a, uh, a solution to a problem that you're trying to fix, and especially around capacity building, and Peter touched on the education piece as well. Um, you know, there's there's a, there's a really good opportunity, and I felt that things actually move quite quickly um, once you build those strong relationships. And one of the one of the challenges that sort of I faced was that we were we were on a sort of a fly in and fly out model consistently, and it, it required a lot of trips. Um, but actually, once you start to build that momentum, um, you you can get some some really good activity going on. Exactly, and I think uh, that's where you know, the beauty of the chamber can really help, help and sort of grease the wheels and you know, of uh, of progress to be able to get get you in the right in the in the right place. Uh, and you're right. Uh, yeah, and I think also if you're gonna if you're gonna commit to a country that is a long way away from the UK, but you know, put a bit of resource in town, uh, maybe hire a good guy to support you um, to uh, get to, get you moving in the right way. Um, you're coming this far, you're investing already with a sort of, you know, with your flights and your hotels and all the rest of it. So, you know, just take a little bit extra and uh, do, do the right thing.
Are there any sort of key themes that the government in Myanmar are specifically looking at? Is it the capacity building piece in education? Um, sort of where where is their focus at the moment, and where are the opportunities mainly for British businesses? Sometimes hard to determine the government focus, but that's quite a common problem with a lot of governments. But um, um, my my view is that uh, I think if you boiled it down, it would be sort of education, uh, energy. There's a big there's a big need for energy of all descriptions right across the spectrum of traditional carbon fuels right to you know, renewable energy of every, every description. I, I think also infrastructure is a key one, whether it's uh, you know, dealing with new, new airport de- developments, uh, railways and so on. These are, these are areas that have to be able to grow. Education, as you mentioned, it, it's, it's a big, big growth area. Everyone wants the qualification. The challenge is what? Okay, you've got your piece, your nice piece of paper. What do you do with that? It's actually leveraging and you know gaining your experience and your how to utilize your qualification in the right way. Yeah, we've got thousands of accountants with AAT qualifications, but um, yeah, it's it's breaking out the sort of uh, the mindset. Okay, I need to be able to recommend or make a decision. It, I'm not just waiting for the command from above to do and to, and to jump. And to do this or to, to do that, so there's a mindset change as well that needs to needs to start there. But in terms of sectors, it's wide open in terms of uh, where where people can really invest, participate in investments. Because the clear competition to the UK here is China. They view Myanmar rather like its west coast. Uh, it doesn't have a west coast, but uh, it, Myanmar could become that. Um, it's very easy to drive uh, African oil. Or, you know, into, um, into Myanmar and pipe it into China. You've got a lot of uh, port potentials there yeah, and other things, but, you know, which has been driven by, by China. Um, Myanmar, I think, is taking a fairly sort of pragmatic approach to the whole thing. They're not falling into potential debt traps and other things, which I think is very sensible. Where the UK can come in is, and the Myanmar, and I've heard it from the Myanmar government, is that they want to diversify their portfolio. So it's portfolio diversification away from just the uh, China, Japan, and Korea. Uh, the UK, with its legacy, its um, and its history, but its experience, maybe you know, financial services, huge, huge opportunities, infrastructure, and so on, uh, construction. The French are here, so France is not so far away from the UK. So let's, uh, you know, we need to see more UK. Uh, expertise uh, it, it, being being deployed uh, in in uh, in Myanmar. Uh, that's really interesting. I mean, we're lucky as, as both chambers in, in Myanmar and Singapore to be part of uh, a busier uh, Britain and Southeast Asia network. Is there more we can be doing? Is there more that we can be doing to raise the profile and awareness of Myanmar within the British Chamber of Commerce network in the UK, for example, to sort of highlight some of these opportunities? Absolutely, and we've started something that we've started already, and we have the plans ready to launch. Uh, is that we're doing sort of a Myanmar marketing campaign once the sort of lockdown uh, has sort of uh, dissipated and people are back to whatever the new normal comes to pass. So you know, quite often we get sort of Myanmar where 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 is that? And uh, so we point it on the map, and then we ah, I know where you are. So that that sort of thing to now to be able to sort of get to a position where we can directly interact with British Chambers in the UK um, and also directly interact with the British Chambers in the region here. Because many British companies have subsidiaries or offices 
probably mostly in your town in Singapore. And we see the, you know, the biggest inter, you know, potential interaction uh, in the region probably is Hong Kong and Singapore. I think there'll probably be a little bit of movement of capital away from China, uh, looking for homes out of Hong Kong, potentially into, into, into Myanmar. We also see from Singapore, Singapore point of view, it, it's a big, a lot of the companies have Singapore subsidiaries of some description or other. So a lot of the uh, funds flow also flows through, uh, through Singapore. I think, that's, I think that's a really, really good point and uh, a bit of a point for you and I to pick off after this call, I guess, in terms of let's work a bit more closely together and see where we can really support the yeah. opportunities yeah. available. How does the One Belt, One Road initiative impact Myanmar? Does it create opportunities? We talked about moving some elements of trade away from China, for example. Does the One Belt, One Road piece play sort of a quite, quite a big part in terms of the, uh, the increase in manufacturing in the market or, or, or any sort of other opportunities from an investment perspective? Idai uh, Ilu, one belt, one road. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think there is a, a big potential for UK companies to even participate potentially, potentially with Chinese companies. Uh, there's a lot of UK companies in China, Beijing and Shanghai and so on. They'll, they'll be looking for opportunities and probably have already opportunities in, in the one belt, one road initiative. So we, we see it as a, as a good initiative. As I said, uh, Myanmar is taking a fairly pragmatic view on it, that uh, China can't just come in and sort of dig up the whole place and create an environmental disaster or that type of thing. It needs to be well well controlled, well managed. Um, And actually, Myanmar has rules and regulations now on um, uh, environmental impact assessments and other things. So it's not sort of uh, not the Wild West here in terms of that sort of regulatory. So given the right approach, given the right opportunity, I think particularly with infrastructure, China knows a lot, but it doesn't know everything, and it needs it needs gaps. It has gaps to fill. So you know, UK can be there as well. It feels like your point about where is Myanmar putting it on the map and having that mm. infrastructure route is a, is a is a real bonus, real opportunity. Peter, mm. is there an, an opportunity from an investment perspective around the One Belt One Road initiative? If you're looking at the larger the infrastructure related projects and um, and the large manufacturing projects and the, the sorts of things which the Chinese would be involved with, then the investment criteria and risk, it, it, it attracts a different sort of investor. You know, one of the reasons we like SMEs apart from the potential is that within the Myanmar structure, there's a lot you can do in a lot of sectors without having to go through uh, gatekeepers uh, to get licenses and what have you. Again, this comes back to the common law bedding, is that if it's not prohibited, you can do it. That sort of basic common law concept. Now, things have changed and there's lots of exceptions to that, but I think British businesses especially would be surprised, especially if they had a look at Myanmar, say 2012, 2013, when there was the first first wave of excitement. If they came back now, I think they would be generally surprised that while some things have only changed very slowly, other things have moved forward quite well. So for instance, registering a company, really very, very easy now. There's a lot of stuff which has gone online. The regulations about what sectors and problems on particular sectors about uh, where foreign investors are allowed or not allowed to invest, those sorts of lists have been reduced right down. So various sectors have been opened up. You know, there are practical issues still sometimes. Sometimes uh, 
Um, implementing regulations aren't always clear. Sometimes different uh, regions have slightly different views of how what the policy is. But I think compared with five, six years ago, people would be surprised that things do work. The, the tax system is getting slowly a little bit better. The whole payment system, Peter alluded to um, telcos and uh, the move into 5G. There's a great competition between different groups on mobile money, which is speeding up processing of payments. And, you know, we're still predominantly a cash economy, but it's starting to move. And you're actually seeing some of them starting to offer products which are aimed at SMEs who, like the world over, they have the issues of cash flow. So if, they, if payments can be made more quickly and more directly, then that, that helps them. So things are definitely changing. The, the amount, amount of decent office space, while still limited, is, it is better than it was. The amount of housing can still be a little bit problematic for, for expats. But there are more schools. If you have a family, there are more schools, there are more hospitals. It's still a frontier market, but it has changed. And generally, most of the changes have been for the better, both from, a, uh, from living there and working there. It's been a real insightful conversation talking to you both. You know, a huge thank you for joining us. Having experienced it firsthand, it's very, very close to my heart. So um, and there's definitely a piece of work to do between both chambers to support growth and opportunities in, in Myanmar. But I guess just as a couple of closing remarks, Peter Whitson, if we can come to you first. If, if we had to drill down sort of the top three things or the top three tips that you would advise British businesses, what, what would it be? I knew you were going to ask me a question like this. Um, I think, first of all, be brave. Myanmar is a place you can do business. Be brave. Secondly, be patient. Uh, one of the things Peter mentioned was the fact that there is a mindset which is going to take generations to, to change, getting the right people to do the things you want and to do it with initiative and everything. It's going to take time, so you need to be patient. Finally, I would, I would say use the Chamber of Commerce. You know, we're members of the British Chamber. We're actually members of several chambers. And the British Chamber is by far and away the most active and has a range of activity which are useful. And so, yes, we're, that's, that's, that would definitely be my third one. Thank you, Peter. Amazing. And, and Peter, just from a chamber perspective with your members where, and your, you know, your experience um, running the chamber, what would your sort of top three takeaway points be for British businesses looking at Myanmar as a market? Very much what Peter has said, really. It's, uh, you know, come here with your eyes wide open, do your, do your necessary due, due diligence, be a little bit brave. Um, and, um, you know, look at it as a market that you can actually springboard into other markets as well. You have, what, 40-something percent of the world's population living on the five borders that we have here. So there is, there is uh, you're, you've got China market, you've got manufacturing opportunities where you can manufacture not only for here, uh, but also for, for, the, for the region. So there is, there is a, yeah, uh, a, lot, a lot can be done there. Thank you. That, that leads me to wish you both all the very best. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your insights with our listeners. And as I've mentioned, we've got a couple of takeaways in terms of what we need to do to really support. So thank you both very much indeed. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye.
thank you for listening to our podcast. You can share our podcasts and tag us in with the hashtag BritJamSG on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. For more information on the British Chamber of Commerce in Singapore, please visit www.britcham.org.sg or should you wish to get involved with our podcasts, please feel free to contact us at info at britcham.org.sg.